Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Market Academy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So welcome back to Charged Up Studio, where we navigate the highs and lows of of the business world with the brightest minds in the field. Today, we're continuing our monthly focus on charting your business's path to success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host, and we have a very special guest who has dedicated his career to helping individuals and organizations reach new heights in their performance. Bob Pizzini is the author of the acclaimed book, Elevate Your Leadership. Retired from the U.S. Navy in 2010, after 26 years, he went on to establish several multi-million dollar businesses. His proven success draws parallels between the military and corporate leadership styles, building and leading a winning team and precision execution. Today, he is the CEO of iFly, an indoor skydiving facility in Virginia Beach, continuing his high-flying mantra to the individual experience. So let's give a heartfelt Charged Up Studio, welcome to Mr. Robert Pizzini. Welcome, Robert. Hey, thank you, Dana. It's great to be here. I'm glad to have you. So before we get started, I always kick off our podcast session with one question designed to give our audience a little insight into who you are. So are you ready? I am. Okay. If you could go back in time and give your young self some solid advice. What advice would you give him and at what age? Uh, two, two, two answers. There are two pieces of advice. One is uh, somewhere around the age of fifth grade or sixth grade, I think that's 12 or 13 years old. The advice would be pay attention to how you treat your body, what you eat, how you exercise, how you hydrate. Pay attention to all those aspects of physical health at a young age. Learn that and pay attention to it at a young age. That would be the first thing. And then the second thing would be, uh, be a good teammate. Think about it and strive to be a good teammate. Um, Regardless of what group it is you're associated with, focus on being a good teammate within that group. And that's so critical right now, you know, especially because of the fact that a lot of us are working virtually and it's very easy to get within ourselves, you know, to, to, to rely on ourselves for decision making and also just to, you know, uh, keep moving forward. And unfortunately, 
that's not the way business is. You know, um, I know in college, when I went to college, it was all about communication and teamwork. And every single class I took emphasized that. And if I didn't know that, I went to team, I went to team, uh, Toastmasters, Toastmasters to learn a lot of what I needed to know. So anyway, so, right. so let's yeah, we, should, we should learn all that in fifth grade. Exactly. I fully agree with you. So let's get started on, you know, our conversation. So first, can you tell us a bit about your background and what inspired you to write your book, Elevate Your Leadership? Sure. So briefly, um, I grew up watching the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. And I was fascinated with the underwater realm. And I became a scuba diver at the age of 12 in my hometown of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Grew up diving on Lake Michigan. Uh, but that interest in scuba led me to become aware of something called a Navy diver. Uh, so in my senior year of high school, I committed, I enlisted, became a, a U.S. Navy deep sea diver at the age of 19. I graduated second class dive school in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, one of my proudest moments. And um, went on to uh, spend six years in the diving and salvage community within the Navy. And then I discovered something called EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. So it, so EOD technicians, bomb techs, right? Cut the red wire, cut the blue wire. Um, we're divers, we're Navy divers as well, but we have a very specific mission of searching for, locating, identifying, and disarming or rendering safe or disposing of or detonating uh, various explosives of all types, chemical, radiological, biological, nuclear, conventional explosive, um, anything that presents any type of explosive hazard to life or property. Uh, so I did that for 20 years uh, in wow. the military, uh, including a deployment to Iraq and, um, and just an incredible career, incredible teammates, incredible teams. And uh, when I retired, I had all this experience in being being a, being on a team, leading a team, putting a team together, disbanding a team, uh, all these different things that that happen in in Navy Special Operations, and uh, but I also had this idea that an indoor skydiving facility in Virginia Beach would be perfect uh, because we do a lot of military training. Part of our what's called mobility skills are military freefall. So we jump out of airplanes, we deploy a parachute, and we. Uh, we parachute or fly the canopy to wherever it is we're trying to get to. But for the free fall portion of that skydive, um, you're flying through the air at 120 miles an hour or so. And there's a lot that can happen very quickly. And you have to really understand what's going on and be in control. So that led to, uh, and we would use these indoor skydiving facilities in other parts of the country. There wasn't one in Virginia Beach. I retired from active duty. I got serious about learning how to spell the word business and try and bring this technology to Virginia Beach. And in six short years, uh, we opened our doors for business. So it took a while. I had to really yeah. stick with it, but it took a while. And then beyond that, not to get to the last part of your question, what inspired the book, um, having 40 people on my team at iFly Virginia Beach, most of them don't have a military background. Um, I went through this learning curve of adjusting my leadership style and my communication style. And, you know, there's all these tools that are available to us as leaders. And so I just felt like I learned a lot. You know, I came in prepared um, and and I learned a lot. And uh, uh, but there's there was an aspect of, of teamwork and leadership that 
they don't teach at Dale Carnegie or at um, at uh, uh, Frank McClevey or some of the other play. And we've been to all I've sent, we've been to all those courses and they're very good. And I I've, I have tremendous takeaways from those things. But what I was looking for was the kind of leadership development that I grew up with in the military. Right. So I put a course together, if you will, originally designed for my team, my leadership team. I had seven people on my leadership team. And uh, it went over very well. And somebody recommended I take that to market. Uh, and so I, this is two years, one year pre-COVID. So I was running courses here at iFly Virginia Beach. So the full day event called Elevate Your Leadership begins with the flight experience. So we'll bring in a group of 10 to 15 people. That's the cohort for the day. Um, we have the flight experience uh, early in the day. And that's an icebreaker. That's um, it, it really builds a bond between everybody who participates. And for a lot of people, there's some anxiety. So you're facing a fear. You're getting outside of your comfort zone. And so uh, you feel this you feel this bond with the people you did it with. You feel exhilarated because you completed something that uh, seemed to be a bit of a challenge. And then we come up in the conference room, which overlooks the oceanfront, and we discuss leadership for the rest of the day. Um, and, and the way I facilitate the discussion is I put the concept out there, I share my experience with the concept, and then I want everybody to share their experience. And, and the real power, the real learning takes place when we have these really, these, these wonderful discussions. No, that's, anyway, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> after, doing, after doing that for um, a couple of years, pre-COVID, that's when the idea of the book came. I had all this content for, for the course, and so many people were sharing just such tremendous lessons. Uh, it was just so valuable, the things that I was learning as I'm facilitating this course. And uh, so ultimately I decided it's time to put all this in a book. And the book is not a textbook. It's not a, an academic journal or an academic guide. This is what I lived and learned in the military and what I lived and learned in the private sector. It's really, it's not, it's 170 pages. It's not a complex read by any means. It's more of a memoir of what you, what you learned it really is. And I almost yeah. called it a memoir. Yes. But, um, you know, you really, when you write a book, you go all over the place with the title. And um, I know. And I and, and I just finished my seventh book and it's wow. in editing now. None of the titles, it all says to be determined, to be determined, because yeah. I'm letting the storyline <laughs> determine what the titles are going to be. You yeah. Know? And things yeah. like that. So. Well, I've started outlining book two. So book one is Elevate Your Leadership. Book two is going to be Elevate Your Team. So, um, there you go. Well, yeah, you know, with that, well, just quickly, mind, yeah, in order to be a, uh, you know, a good leader develops good teammates exactly. and those good teammates go on to become good leaders. And that's kind of the, the thesis of my next book. Well, that's good because in your book, you talked about the concept of flying high. Okay. In leadership. And, and can you explain a little bit? You probably did in what you talked about, but you know, really short, tell me a little bit about what you mean and why it's so important for leaders and teams to fly high. Well, there, there's like three or four different ways to apply that or, or that I apply that. One is as the leader, you know, you have this 30,000 foot view. We've all heard the cliche 30,000 feet. Right. But as a leader, you have to uh, you have to have this omni 
present visibility. You have to be able to see in 365 degrees. Exactly. And and you don't do that because you have eyeballs all, all around your head. You do that because you lead a team of people who provide that additional clarity and that additional visibility for you. So when I say fly high, um, you in the figurative sense, you're you're staying up at this at this level where you have visibility. Whoops, where you have visibility on. Uh, the the broader operation uh and and then your leaders uh or in, in my case the seven people on my leadership team they have their people that work for them they have their teammates that they're in charge of so um so in the military we we call it there's three levels of warfare tactical that's the soldier on the ground engaged right. in combat operational mm -hmm. that's the ground force commander who said, you guys go there and fight, you guys go there and fight. And then there's strategic, which is, um, again, that higher level of leadership, which says, uh, we're probably going to engage in warfare with this country or that country or, or exactly. whatever the engagement is. And, and so we fly high, leaders are at the strategic level, and, um, and we, we enable those under us to do what it is they've been hired to do. Exactly. And, you know, and as a strategist, when you talk about being able to look ahead and see 360 degrees and being able to strategically put together a roadmap, should this happen, this is going to be our, our pathway or should this happen, this is going to be our pathway, you know, and it's important to be able to communicate that to your team members and your leaders so that when the time comes, you're all on the same page as far as that's concerned. For sure. For sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, coming out of the military and I've run into this a lot with my with with my clients who are military moving into private enterprise. OK, there is a language difference between military and private. OK, how did you overcome that? moving into the private sector and, and sure. able to communicate the the military leadership concept in an environment that the private enterprise can engage in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I smile and I kind of chuckle at that because um, my my teammates, especially my leadership team, told me to quit using that military language. They didn't know what it meant. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> and rather than me make them learn my military jargon, if you will, I just, I very simply said yes to their request. And, you know, I had to, um, I had to slow down a little bit in, in discussion and I had to use terms that they would understand. And again, that's what a leader does. I'm going to adapt to them in that case. I'm not going to make them adapt to me. Uh, and so that was, that was um, enlightening. Uh, and it was, uh, it was a fun process. You know, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I and I work a great deal on the government side as well as the private side because I work with clients who want to break into government procurement and trying to explain to them the acronyms that the government uses on everything. I even have to go do my Google searches all the time. Sometimes, you know, yeah, that's what right. What do these terms mean? You know, you guys yeah. are so used to them. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about that a lot of times we use them we don't even know what they mean we're just told that you know that's a uh that's an an anpqs and it's like okay somebody go grab the anpqs and uh, nobody knows what it stands okay, for. okay what's the anpqs 
So, so AN is Army Navy. It means that that particular tool was designed for the Army and the Navy. And uh, PQS, wow. So there's personal qualification standard, uh, but there's another one, um, AN. Uh, and I, I forget, I, I, as yeah. it applies to the AN, I forget. So Yeah, yeah. No, no, I run into that on a daily basis you know, with the, with the people that I work with. So building a high-performance team can be a challenging task. We all know that. What are some of the common obstacles or misconceptions that leaders face when trying to achieve this? Sure. Um, one is they try and they expect that team to be a high performing team um, too quickly. There's a process that a team goes through. Um, the, the, this, the concept is out of the uh, PMI, the PMBOK, the, um, uh, the Book of Knowledge for Project Management Institute. And, and it's four phases of team development, forming, storming, norming, and performing. Right. And so if that same group of six people are together for a period of time, they will go together as a group, they will go through those four phases and arrive at performing. But really what happens is people come and go from the team. So right. different people are at different levels of forming, storming, norming, performing within the team construct. And the more... We all recognize that, you know, oh, he's the new guy. Uh, don't let the new guy do this. Hey, new guy, keep your hands off of that. Um, hey, new guy, it's time to learn this. It's time to learn that. So, so you, have to, um, you have to give it time. You have to understand those phases of development. And the other thing I would say is that, again, leader's responsibility, whatever training everybody on that team needs it's the leader's responsibility to provide that training. That, that doesn't mean provide it personally or be the trainer, but it means if, if I need somebody who has to be able to maintain a piece of electrical equipment, um, I've got to get them qualified in that in some capacity. If I have somebody who engages, as simple as customer service engagement. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, because that's, in our case, we're a customer-facing business. And our customer service advisors are kind of uh, entry-level employees. They they are the first contact with customers. And they can put that experience in motion in a very positive way, something other than that. And so just as simple as how we talk to customers and how right. we interact and, and how long do we wait before we ask them if we can help them. You know, these are all things that we're very deliberate about. So training, get to get that team performing, yeah. provide the training. Make sure you have adequate manpower. If I need six people on this team, then don't go with five or don't go with four. Get six people. Right. Um, and then and then provide them the equipment that they need, whatever those people need to do their job. And if they come in and ask for a newer, bigger, better, whatever that piece of equipment is, I will try and provide it for them every single time. If they right. tell me I can do a, I can increase my performance, I can enhance the customer experience. And I can enhance the bottom line of the business if I get this new piece of equipment. Why wouldn't we do that? Right, right. Which brings me to another question that I had. And as a strategist, I run into this all the time, you know, because I work with C-level quite, quite often. Um, what is your thought process on a top level down decision making approach versus um, a, a bottom up or just like you said, sure. teamwork, you know, because sure. growing up in corporate America, it's always been for the longest period, top level down decision making. 
Yeah. Those top so, level don't understand. Yeah. So a couple thoughts there. One is, um, again, if you have that leadership team uh, identified, which, I, as I said, I have seven on my leadership team, uh, I, I'm strategic level. My leadership team bridges strategic level and operational level. They are the operational level, but they're the bridge. Right. And then that operational bridges down to the tactical, the people who deliver the product or service. So if everybody in the organization recognizes those three levels of functionality, if you will, uh, some people call it organizational architecture, um, then we know where our decision authority begins and ends. Right. Hey, we don't need to bother so-and-so with this. I, let's just do it, or we're not going to do it, or let's buy it, or we're not going to buy it, uh, whatever that is. So people should know, for the most part, the 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 uh, right and left boundaries of their decision making, um, and then uh, I, I also really emphasize core values within the organization to help us make decisions. So loyalty, integrity, and professionalism. I have three core values. Everybody knows our three core values, and I don't have two or three paragraphs that define those three words. If you you have to know the definition of those three words to get hired. And and I don't mean Webster's definition. I mean, what do those words mean to you? Exactly. And as long as they mean something similar to what they mean to the rest of us, you know, then we're all we're all working together. But we ask ourselves in decision making, we say, am I maintaining loyalty, integrity, and professionalism? Am I jeopardizing? Am I violating? Um, if I'm maintaining, then the decision's easy. If I'm jeopardizing or violating, then I should probably go talk to somebody uh, and get some get some guidance from leadership. The, but the, the 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 point to all of this is, I don't need to be making decisions at the operational and tactical level. Right. Uh, I have other decisions that occupy all of this space, and there's not a lot there. I have other things that occupy all of this space, and. Um, uh, and, and so it's my job to make these higher level decisions and it's other people's job to uh, to decide at their level. Now, here's an here's the, here's the other part of that. And this takes time. Just as I said, to build this team, it takes time. Right. Uh, my team here in the private sector, initially, they were uncomfortable making decisions because they thought if they got something wrong, that I was going to, you know, lean into them. And uh, what has developed over time is. If you get it wrong, I'm going to pick you up, dust you off, and we're going to move out. Right. Uh, when people are making decisions that are wrong, if their intent was well-placed and they thought they were acting in the best interest of the company or the best interest of their teammates, you're forgiven. And right. I write about forgiven versus fired in my book. Right. You know, why, why do some people screw things like that up and they get for, forgiven and other people screw something like that up and they get fired? Right. And it goes back to the nature of your character. You know, what type what type of reputation have you established? That's true. You know, growing up, uh, you know, uh, I've been married 40 years this New Year's Eve. And uh, my husband's an engineer, works with Lockheed Martin. So, you know, works. Oh, military. yeah, 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 yeah. Engineers are some of my most <laughs> unique clients. Ex-Navy, you know, all that. <laughs> and, you know, when I first met him 40 years ago, everything was black and white. Okay. And we had a daughter at the time was two years old. And everything was black and white. And I told him, I said, sweetheart, there's a gray area there. She made a decision based on her knowledge base. 
And you need to understand why she made that decision. Whether you agree with it or not, you have to listen to her. And I think this is what you're talking about here is the fact that, you know, there, the reasoning behind the decision is as important as the decision itself. Without a doubt. Without Absolutely. a doubt. Yes, exactly. So do you, can you give us some uh, uh, real, world a real world example of, you know, what has happened in one of your events, you know, your your training processes or something that you have done? Give us, give us an example of what the results have been. Uh, so uh, yeah, are you saying like something that's some something that somebody shared with the group that I found valuable or? I think um, what I'm really talking about is you do this leadership training. What is some of the positive aspects that have come out of it with one of your clients? You don't have sure, to be the sure. client or anything like that. Just the type of yeah, yeah. organization. Sure. Yeah. So some of the feedback I've received is um, uh, one person said, I can breathe. I can go back to my work organization and I can breathe. They, they said, you know, I literally felt like I couldn't breathe while I was there. Uh, so that's, uh, and, and in my discussion, I, again, I talk about the physiology of the human being and how it affects us as leaders and as teammates. And I think that was the part that really resonated with this person. They understood rest, hydration, nutrition, exercise, brain and heart health and right. lifelong learning. And they were able to go back into an environment that was tense and they, they were able to breathe. They were able to not be emotional. You know, they were able to be rational and um, and talk through the situation that that in this case they thought was going to be devastating. Um, and they just talked through it with their leader. And they were they were very pleasantly surprised that the leader uh, the leader accepted, you know, what they were proposing. I'll give one more. Yeah. Um, it's a young, young lady who's been on a team for quite a while with this company and, and other people, a lot of engineers, uh, have come and gone. Uh, but some of them didn't go. A lot of them were there forever. I, and that's, and, and this, I see this with clients actually quite regularly. You know, that person who's been with the company for 30 years, we've always done it this way. We're always going to do it this way. I don't care who you are, where you came from, what school you went to, or what you think, you know, uh, we're not doing anything different around here. And, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, and, I run into that myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so this wonderful woman was, was brave and not afraid to, you know, face, uh, controversy, but she just didn't have the tools to do it. Uh, so we did, uh, and this was a one-on-one -on -one coaching. Right. Uh, so, so we did the coaching, uh, over a period of about six months or so. And, and the feedback every month was, um, I've got this guy on board. I've got this guy on board. This guy left the company. Finally. Right. Thank God. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. No, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it brings a story to mind, you know, uh, for one of the last companies that I worked with and with me, I've always been a very strong individual when it comes to my job, you know, and, and, and things like that. And, um, <laughs> what happened was I, uh, I was I was actually doing my job and they thought I was encroaching in on their own job. And the the biggest thing I'm I'm working towards right now is the fact that this was back in 2006, 7, 8, you know, the recession. The 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 one that had hit us pretty hard mm -hmm. when the banks messed up <laughs> and stuff. 
and I worked within the AEC industry, the architectural engineering construction industry. Well, in my position, I saw as a strategist, I saw us competing from, you know, against maybe four, five different companies within a 60 day period to competing against 30, 40 different companies. Wow. And my job responsibilities increased exponentially and they ended up dropping, you know, uh, making people leave, including my, you know, my help and everything. And I kept fighting with my boss saying, look, I can't keep up with this workload, you know, and stuff like that. They weren't hearing it. They, they weren't hearing what I was saying, you know, because the responsibilities were, were heavy on my, you know, and I talked to my husband here, the engineer. Sure. <laughs> and he gave me some solid advice. He says, you're talking to men who they don't care about feelings or emotions. So you need to approach this as a business. All right. How are you going to approach and express what's going on and how you're feeling right now in numbers, in metrics, you know, and things like that. And once I did that and went in and talked to them, they understood whether they did anything was a different story. But where I'm going with this is understanding it comes to that customer experience. It comes to understanding what the expectations are on the other side. Who are you talking to? All right. When we're talking about a leadership team, what if they are not a fit for the position within that team? What are well, your suggestions? Yeah. So in my team, <laughs> my experience, um, you know, there's been a hiring problem if you have somebody on the team that's not a good fit. Right. Um, and and I did that. I'm guilty of that. Uh, and I learned from that. So uh, so a seasoned leader will be very, very careful, you know, hire slow, fire fast. We've all heard that. Uh, but that saying's out there for a reason. So a seasoned leader will be very careful about who they bring on the leadership team. But then once you bring that person on the leadership team, it's your job to lead. You have to uh, either train, coach, or mentor. Right. Um, and in this case, it's probably coaching, mentoring, because they probably came with the skill set you needed them to come with. Uh, but regardless, it's your job to uh, to coach and mentor that person. Um, uh, now, in the military, uh, because we have rank and we have promotion, people exactly. wind up in leadership positions all the time that they're not prepared for. But uh, firing is really not an option. We say, oh, we fired that person. We sent them from this division to that division or whatever. But but realistically, in the military, the model is, okay, that person failed. They fell short. Train, 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 and get that person up to speed. Um, and that was my approach initially. Uh, and uh, and in the private sector, it's, you know, I think firing fast is is a better way to go. When yeah. you recognize you have poison, especially at the leadership level, you yeah. know, poison spreads and um, and everybody else sees it. You know, that's the other one of the other mistakes I made. We had we had some poison on my on my leadership team a, a whole bunch of years ago and everybody saw it except for me. Yeah. And because it was there and I didn't take any action, people thought that I you know, favored this individual for some reason. Right. And, uh, and I didn't really, I didn't, you know, things reached a point to where I just had to say, you know, you, you can't work here anymore. And then everybody said, finally, or, you know, they, some of the other people right. said, finally, what took you so long to do that? And, you know, did you realize that, 
there was uh, there was this negative perception, and so and that's that was where a, that's where communication and accountability is so important when you're talking yeah. about teamwork, you know, and yeah. things like that. You know, uh, uh, I know that uh, when I work with teams, if there is somebody, we we try and do some kind of an assessment to figure out, okay, where they want to be, what are their mm -hmm. ultimate goals personally to evaluate whether they would, would fit within the team. Okay. Yeah. As long as they fit within the team and it's going to meet their, their pathway to their ultimate career goals, we have a better chance of uh, getting the work that we want out of them, the, the yeah. objectives yeah. we want out of them. Yeah. yeah. I've actually uh, uh, interacted with organizations where the, the leader doesn't do the hiring. The, the people on that team do the interview and the hiring, they say, well, you know, we're, we're the ones who are going to work with the person. Exactly. So, so we'll do the interview and we'll decide whether or not we want to work with that person. And I think that's perf perfectly acceptable. You know, again, you can't just walk away from it as a leader. You gotta, you have to monitor that process, right. but, right. but I think it's an acceptable process. And then I've also seen. Um, so the workplace has evolved with remote and hybrid teams. Okay. Becoming more common. So how can leaders adapt their strategies for building high-performance teams in this changing landscape? You have to be present. You have to be visible. Um, I, I was asked this question by a very high-level executive in the banking industry because, you know, a lot of these banking people started working from home. Right. And you're talking about, you know, major accounts and large sums of money and, 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 and what this leader was uncomfortable with was was all these people transacting these these large um these large transactions from home even though they had the the you know encrypted software etc but um and, and and i said well you have to be present it's visibility you have to interact face to face and he said well i've got people in every single state and i was like well there's a couple ways to do that you could you could make it hard on yourself and go visit every single state or you can bring all those people together on a semi-regular basis, whether it's monthly or quarterly, or not everybody. You get this group together this quarter and that group together that quarter, right. but but you have to have face-to-face -face interaction with people. I, I have a, I, I like to call it a rule, but it, it, I can't always enforce it. But if it's an hour or less, this Zoom format is fine. Right. Right. If it's over an hour long, I think we need to be face to face in whatever that negotiation or training or whatever it is. Right. Again, it's not a rule because it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. Um, if a client wants to pay me a lot of money to be on Zoom all day long. Um, you know, I, I I'm open to that discussion. So. <laughs> you know, and I'm also one where let's break it up. Okay, it doesn't have to be two three hours at a time. You know, let's break it up yeah. an hour here and an hour here. You know, that type deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, but be present, do team building events, right. do leadership development, bring people in. And rather than talk about the numbers and, you know, how your division is doing, let's talk about how we're going to be better teammates today. Yeah. A good teammate is dot, dot, dot. You right. give me an answer. You give me an answer. You give me an answer. A good leader is dot, dot, dot. You give me an answer. You give me an answer. You can tell me a story behind that. Yeah. You and know, there is... There is advantage to even with remote teams at least once a year getting together in person for a team development camp or something to that effect because there's a Absolutely. whole new dynamic that happens 
when they they get to meet you personally and get to know you personally yeah. you know, as yeah. far as that's concerned and so. their teammates and their teammates yes, so exactly. they, they want to know you know i facilitate within my organization within my leadership team i have a monthly i'm sorry a weekly what i call synchronization meeting and and it's and we all have our kpis if you will even though i hate kind of this kpi driven world but but we we all have the areas that we, we report on and then we 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 discuss right. anything else we think we need to discuss and it's not a meeting to inform the boss it's a meeting to inform each other right uh, and then we interact with each other and again that face to face interaction and that was dynamic tension which i write about in the book you know right. somebody exactly. says something and and you can dis- you can say well i don't think that's a good idea i i don't think that's going to work and here's why you know you can disagree with people and agree not agree to be- disagree <laughs> yeah, and, and not be disagreeable. You can discuss right. why it's a good idea, bad idea. I like it. I don't like it. Um, but y- you know, you don't have to. It, it's not personal. Right. Uh, and again, that comes from a high performing team, and a key component of a high performing team is this trust, this bond. Right. Um, if I screw this up, they're not going to laugh at me. They're or, or they're only going to laugh at me for a second or two, and then they're going to pick me up and dust me off and give me a hug and say, "Let's try that again." Right. Exactly, exactly. So uh, for our listeners out there, a lot of them are um, your your smaller, you know, businesses, and they're just getting started out and everything. Can you give them some practical tips on how we can, uh, how they can start implementing your processes immediately? Sure. A um, c- couple of things there, you know, with me, it's always a couple of things. And uh, yeah. the first thing I would say is, you have to have mission, vision, values. You, you have to have that printed and hanging on the wall yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And and don't make it this novel that people can't operationalize. Our mission statement at iFly Virginia Beach, we bring people together through the dream of flight. Right. That's it. No explanation behind that. It's We bring people together through the dream of flight. Everybody on this team, tell me what that means. And 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 it's easy. And I do walk around and ask that question, by the way. And I think that's important for leaders to do. So have a mission, have a vision. A vision is your cardinal direction. It's the right. North Star. It's this thing that's out there that's achievable, that we're all moving towards in the same direction. Have a mission, have a vision, and have those values. And, and I will tell you those core values, like I said, I have three, loyalty, integrity, professionalism. I I use those words almost every single day in and around everybody in the organization. And what's even better is when they use those words back to you. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they'll use them in, in, in supporting a discussion or t- telling about something that happened. Um, or if you have a really high level of trust, they will use those words. I, yeah. I don't want to say against you, but they will, they'll say, boss, really, you really want to do that? Do you think that jeopardizes yes, when yes. they do that back to you? I'm telling you, you are in a great place because your trust and your care for each other is so high at that point. Exactly. Exactly. So any plans on coming to Orlando? Um. Yes. I just don't know when. <laughs> this is where you need to be with something like this with, with the iFly here in Orlando. It's where yeah. you need to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's one. There's one on International Drive. Uh, oh, that's in Orlando. Orlando. Yeah, that's Orlando. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. it's not iFly. No, there's it's iFly. There's an iFly oh, Orlando. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, and it's actually so the it's funny because the original 
it wasn't called iFly back then. It was called Sky Venture. 1998, the original wow. one opened just outside Disney World. And it looked, looked like this big, tall rocket ship. It's still there, as far wow. as I know. It's not operational, but it's still there. And that was the and that was designed by a NASA engineer by the name of Mike Palmer, who lives. I live in Virginia Beach. Mike lives up in Pocosin, so he's about 45 minutes north of here. We actually held his retirement in this building um, the two May to about a year and a half ago. Wow! Um, and it was fast. It was incredible. So wow! Yeah. Oh, very very interesting. So we're coming up on the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio. And thank you, Robert, for joining us today and shedding light on the importance of creating high-performance teams as it relates to the growth of our businesses moving forward. So how can our audience members find out more about you and your book? Do you have any offerings or announcements you want to make uh, to let our audience oh, know? Well, that, that's what a, what a fortuitous time for you to ask that question. So, yes. um, so you, you, can, you can learn way more about me than you anybody would want to know at robertpizzini.com. So Robert, P-I-Z-Z-I-N-I.com, robertpizzini.com is my website. Um, and I have links to the podcast and to my book and to, I've got a blog. Um, but regarding the book, if you're a Kindle reader, which I'm not, I tried it and I it am. just doesn't work for me. But I if am. you're a Kindle reader, my book is on sale for 99 cents. I must be crazy to do that. 99 cents, uh, that sale is going to end in about two days. So today's Friday, that sale is going to end Christmas Eve. 99 cents if you're a Kindle reader. Um, and if well, you're unfortunately, not, this is not going to air until January. So we're going to miss that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you are going to miss it. But, but in that case, um, um, the hard, you know, there's a hard cop, there's a hardcover and there's a uh, paperback version and uh, yes. those are reasonably priced affordable. And, um, uh, so robertpazzini.com and links to the book, everything is there. And, um, you can learn about the offerings, my courses, uh, learn what it's like to bring your team here for a big team event. I, we have a big event coming up in March, March 6th through March 9th, a huge event. It's called high flying mastermind. We're bringing in a retired Navy SEAL who's a very successful CEO as a keynote speaker. We're bringing in a former Navy Blue Angel as a keynote speaker. We're bringing in a, a retired Navy Admiral who was an intelligence officer as a keynote speaker. Of course, I'll be speaking. We're going to experience flying at iFly Virginia Beach. We're going to do a custom knife build where you build a knife. And as you build that knife, we discuss mission and purpose and ethos and words that are important to you get etched on the blade and on the handle. And, and that knife becomes something that has meaning. And it's something that you wow. can you can uh, look back on on a regular basis to remind yourself of, of the inner strength and the power that you have. We're going to visit the battleship Wisconsin. We're going to tour the ship. We're going to do a keynote dinner out there. Uh, we're going to visit the Navy SEAL Monument, which is at the oceanfront in Virginia Beach, Virginia. We're going to talk about the history of Navy SEAL, Navy Explosive Ordnance Disposal. The same person established those communities within the military. We're going to talk about that history. Um, and then we're going to uh, have some great lessons in leadership along the way. High Flying Mastermind, March 6th through March 9th in Virginia Beach. Very good. Very good. I was going to ask you if it was going to be hybrid, but... You can't do that when you have active activities happening at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah. This is no, a very, very experiential uh, type of event. It is. Uh, it is. And, and that's and, so important. Yeah. And you got to bring energy because we're going to be moving around. We're going to be doing things. And uh, 
This is this is well, a we'll high be, energy event. We'll be putting all of this information on the transcripts uh, when this when this podcast airs. So you'll have all that That's information great. that they can reach out to. So that include that concludes our podcast for today. Please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is the product of Marketatomy and Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to Marketatomy, M-A-R-K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y, dot academy until next week when we bring another exciting guest to you go out and have a charged up week talk to you later you've been listening to charged up studio live the podcast with you the small business owner in mind with your host dana olivo Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live, and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.